Hey, hi, hello, you guys. How are you? Thank you so much for coming back to hang out with me. Welcome to another episode of Tell Me About It. If you haven't been here before, I haven't said this in a while, but I am your host, Jade Iovine, and I am so happy you're here. We have an incredible episode for you today, and I feel like I say that every week, but this week, I really mean it. We have Gabby Fresh on the show this week, and if you don't know about her, I'll tell you a little about her in a minute. But this episode is a very real, a non-nauseating love letter to the parts of us that we wish we could change or the parts of us that are harder to love some days, the parts of us that make us feel inadequate. Gabby is an incredible inspiration in the way of making opportunity out of things that people would most of the time label as a limitation. And I think we all have those things, whether or not you're plus size or curvy, you might hate your nose or hate your mental illness or hate your childhood or have shame about any of those things. And if you feel that way, this episode is for you. So I really hope you enjoy it. Let me tell you a little bit about our amazing guest first. Gabby Gregg, a.k.a. Gabby Fresh, to her almost a million Instagram followers, is a creative director, writer, former blogger, and is the self-described OG fat girl. Not only has she been posting her colorful outfits online for over a decade, she also, interestingly, is one of the first influencers to ever get into the brand collaboration space. From designing revolutionary swimsuits to creating stylish plus-size clothing collections that are always sold out, There are very few things Gabby hasn't done. Here is Gabby Fresh. Hi, Gabby. How are you? Hi, I'm so good. Thanks for having me. How are you? I didn't realize that you live in LA. Yeah, I'm on the east side. I'm like Echo Park, Silver Lake border. Okay, amazing. When did you move here? Oh my God, so long ago. Um, It's crazy because I always want to say five years, but now it's like eight or nine. I actually don't know anymore. (laughs) I think nine years, which is crazy. It is so hot today. Like, it's unbelievably hot. hot. I know, but I complained to a New Yorker and I made that mistake and they were like in hell. Hard agree, yeah. Right? So first things first, let's just start with your name. Where did the name Fresh come from? (laughs) Oh my God, I haven't been asked that in so long. So there was a famous rapper named Doug E. Fresh. Yeah. I started my blog in 2008. Wow. And I think I came up with Gabby Fresh because I thought of it like Gab E. Fresh, like Doug E. Fresh. So that's how I came up with it. But now I feel like it's pretty common. I think a lot of people just like throw fresh at the end of their name. So No, I mean, I, you. but you were the first to do it other than Doug E. Fresh. I don't know if I was the first, but I definitely... One, one, well, I'll give you the credit. I'll give you all the credit. So that's insane. You started blogging in 2008. That's like when blogging started. It really is. I think, you know, it was back in the OG days with the real pioneers. It was around the time like Tavi Gevinson started, Brian Boy... Jane, I forget her last name, but loved her. There were just <laughs> there were like a handful of us. Delmi Rivera, Carla Duras. But how many of those are still around? I mean, the crazy thing is most of them are still around. Like some of them are blogging. I mean, like Ami Song, for example, like she's right. killing it. But you kept your original name. Ami Song like was Song of Style and then she went, you know? No, like- so my my original blog name was called Young Fat and Fabulous. My original Twitter name and Twitter handle was always Gabby Fresh, but my blog was called Young Fat and Fabulous. But yeah, like I it's so cool to see the transformation and the evolution of all of us because some most of us are still around in some way or another. Um and like you said, like Ami is killing it. She has her own brand at Revolve. Tavi is like a sensation. Um, so she went on to like become an actress. And here you are. So it's been really cool. That's amazing. Thank you. So let's start with kind of not the beginning because you started in 2008, but let's go back to 2013 mm-hmm. with what I call the bikini herd around the world. <laughs> yeah. Right. So you created a revolutionary concept, which shouldn't have been, but it was at the time of a plus size bikini. Can you tell us how that started and what inspired that collab? And it was with Swimsuits for All. Yeah, so I had been blogging for a few years at that point, sharing outfits, sharing resources. Back then, obviously, we know now body positivity is so mainstream and everyone knows what it is. But at the time, it very much wasn't. It was a tiny little community of, um, you know, 
women uh, who are plus size really coming together to share resources and talk about where to find clothing, how to be treated equally by doctors. Like there, were, It was really everything. How can we live in a world that tells us that we shouldn't be seen, right? And that included fashion. That was, so that was the focus of my blog was really about how to wear clothing that celebrates you versus wearing clothing that hides your body. And so I wore a bikini for a blog post, I think in 2000, I want to say 2011, maybe was the first time and it got so much engagement, so many shares, people were going crazy over it because it was so hard to find bikinis in our size, let alone, you know, see another woman who looked like you wearing one of them. Um, Swimwear at the time in plus sizes was all very matronly, very much Hawaiian skirted (laughs) mom Cover up as much as possible, right? Um, It was bad. I mean, at the time that was across the market in terms of fashion in general. So much of plus size fashion was really just geared towards like 40 to 50 year old mothers um, versus like younger women, which is why we all came together to kind of push back against that and say like, we deserve to have fashion too. Because my bikini posts got so much engagement two years in a row. And I also wrote um, an article, I was a freelance writer at the time. So I also wrote an article about the power of wearing bikinis as a plus size woman. And I had a gallery of a bunch of us doing it. Um, Swimsuits for All approached me and asked if I wanted to do a design collaboration. And I was like, oh my God, of course, yes. Because again, this was such an, it was in the early days, there were very few blogger collaborations. Right. It was like a kind of a huge deal to get that. Was it your first? Yeah, that was my very wow. first collab in, in terms of design. Like there right. were like small, you know, paid sponsored blog posts, but in terms of getting a, a job where you're designing with a brand, that was really rare back then. And so I was super excited because I knew it was such a white space in terms of what was out there and how much we needed more options. And so I was still nervous. I didn't know how it would do. Um, but yeah, it kind of broke the internet. It went viral. It, it went, went crazy. crazy viral. The website crashed and it sold out really fast. And I think everybody was really surprised and, you know, it was just a one year deal at that point, but obviously we extended it. And since then, like, you know, it really impacted the industry, like totally changed things because now plus size bikinis are everywhere. But like that was truly like a changing of the tides for sure. And it just recently ended, right? Yes. So this was my first year. 2022 was the first year that I did not really swimwear with them, which is wow. so weird. Like it has been such a huge part of my life, my career. Um And it was very surreal and bittersweet, but I will always look back on it like super fondly because it made my brand so much bigger, but also it's just such a joy to participate in the creation process and also to see plus size women like loving life in these beautiful bikinis that I came up with in my head. It was really right. It's really wild to think that that was only I mean, I guess it was almost 10 years ago, right? Mm -hmm. Like 2013, but how different the climate was versus now. Like it has completely changed, completely changed. So how did you feel when you first posted that bikini picture? Like, were you comfortable or were there some nerves there? Um, yes and no. You know what? I will. It actually wasn't hard for me. I was excited to do it because I was so determined and I still am. But at the time, there was so much pushback and it was so difficult to be a plus size woman in that environment. Um, I was excited to do it and to share it with my followers to sh- help like inspire them and show them that we also deserved to feel good in our bodies and wear cute bikinis and go to the pool and go to the beach or whatever. And so I was I think I was more excited than anything. I definitely have my fair share of like body image days. Like I definitely don't have it all figured out, but at the same time, I was really I mean, I was in my 20s, early 20s at that time, so I was like really obstinate and just like out to prove a point, you know? Yes, so yes. I don't think I I was that scared that actually the first time I shared a bikini the one that I wore not created but the one I wore the first time I was like in Vegas like surrounded by hundreds of people taking pictures at the pool and just being like you know middle finger to anyone who has anything to say to me about this (laughs) right but okay so that's what I'm wondering so like you come off obviously our body image changes daily but you seem so confident paving the way for so many to come behind you but when do you remember the first time thinking there's something wrong with my body? Was it in childhood? Mm. Oh, yeah. I mean, I would say I have a very specific memory of the first time I actually like felt bad about my body, which was mm-hmm. a, a boy making fun of me in fourth grade science class. <laughs> I Why stood is up, it always? I know, right? I stood up to say something. I don't remember what it was, but he like made a comment and the whole class laughed at me. Um, and so that was the first time I became super aware, like, oh, other people are seeing me as – they're seeing my body as as wrong, you know? And that, so that was fourth grade? Fourth grade. Okay. 
Had you gone through puberty yet? Like, were no, you? No, I, I hadn't gone through puberty, but I had just started to become chubbier. I wasn't like ch- super chubby before that age, but that was like about the age where I started to put on weight. Um, and my mom was fat. She was plus size. I use the word fat neutrally. So my mom was fat and she hated, she had a lot of self-loathing around her body, you know, as a boomer, as they do. She just did not like her body. So she was constantly on diets. And, you know, as I think many women of her age did, definitely projected a lot of that onto me. There was a lot of diet culture, weight loss talk in our home. I started, I think, Weight Watchers and like cabbage soup diets and grapefruit diets and all that stuff pretty young. Um, I would say probably middle school. And then I started to, I also transferred schools at some point from like a urban inner city public school. And I transferred to a suburban private school where I went from being, you know, one of many to like the kind of fat girl, like one of like two maybe plus size girls in my class and one of like a handful of girls of color in my class. So I very much felt othered for the first time. And so I was hypersensitive and hyper aware of my body at that point. And you know, that's when we all are going through puberty anyway. So it's hard enough as is. So I think that's when it became like a big thing in my mind where I was like, I need to lose weight. I will say this is kind of a weird thing to say, but (laughs) I kind of still, I still liked myself and I still thought I was really pretty. I was just kind of like, once I lose weight, no one can tell me anything. <laughs> yes. Like that was like a destination fantasy. Yes, exactly. Yeah. It was very much like I'm really cute. And once I lose this weight, like I'm going to be super hot. I'm coming for everybody. Yeah. Isn't it crazy like that we remember those little things that people say about our body, no matter if it like even mm-hmm. if it's positive or negative, like I remember certain times like just weird things stick out in my mind. Like one time I was in seventh grade and it was one of my brother's friends, but he was like, if you can't see your toes under your belly. Mm. And I was like, I remember like looking down and being like, I can't see my toes just because of the way my back sways or whatever. And you just remember those little things. And you know what's so crazy is still to this day, probably 15 years later, I still think about it every time I look down at my feet in the shower. You saying that actually just triggered a a memory for me, which was, I told you, so my mom um, was fat growing up and I was obviously just like a little, I was a young girl, but I was chubby, but you know, not, now that I look back at pictures as we all do, I'm like, what was I talking about? But I remember looking at her one day changing clothes and she had back rolls. And I remember thinking to myself, I'm not that fat because I don't have rolls on my back. If I ever if I ever have rolls on my back, then I'll be actually fat. <laughs> and which is I mean, I was a kid and of right. course now I have back rolls and I'm fine with them. But it's just so funny how we like tell ourselves these little things and remember these little things. Remember I like remember almost nothing except for like those little things that people said to me mm-hmm. along the way from like adolescence to college, really. Yeah. And it's crazy. But it's so funny that you mentioned your mom because I was going to ask you because so much of my body image comes from my mom, who's also a boomer Mm -hmm. and struggled with dieting. But do you have siblings? What were your family's relationships like with their bodies? So I have three older half sisters. One is my mom's daughter and two are my dad's daughters. And ironically, I'm actually the only plus size of, of the siblings. My mom is too, but like, so my sisters were skinny. So that added another layer of self-consciousness, right? Cause like I have three older sisters. I'm the fat sister. You compare yourself to your sister. Yeah. Huh? So right. I'm like, and of course, cause they're, they're older too. So they're always like, I see them as like the people I want to be. They're hanging out with boys. They're like, you know, doing all, going out to parties. And I feel ugly because they all look like, and they're also just like conventionally very attractive. God like damn it. to the point where like one of them's a professional model. And I was just like, I wish I was them, you know? Right. And so it definitely added a layer of self-consciousness. And of course, my mom would compare me and my sister and, you know, there was that whole thing. Of course. So it was definitely tough. I mean, I my mom was extremely loving. She cared about me so much as a lot of these, you know, boomer moms do, but they just have their own insecurities that they, you know, grew up with that, like I said, they projected. And so I've really had to go through the grief, the anger, all of those emotions as an adult of the things I didn't get as a child. But also then I come back to compassion as well, because I understand like it was, you know, she was a product of her time and her parents and all of those things. Right. But now she can say she has two model daughters, yeah, right? <laughs> very true. And she, it's actually pretty beautiful because since then she has fully come around and like expressed to me how much I've helped her and how much she's now 
has changed her opinion about her own body and all of those types of things. So it's actually a pretty cool thing. It's not in, like they didn't do it out of anything malicious at all. At it's all. just like how they grew up. Mm-hmm. And they think of it as caring about us, honestly. They think totally. of it as loving us and like the, all of those things. But yeah, it was a journey for sure. <laughs> I mean, of course. How long did you do fad diets and like dangerous things like that? Did you ever dip into binge eating or anything like that? You know, I uh, I don't think I was a huge binge eater. It was more so I just made unhealthy choices a lot when I was growing up. Um, and I, I still struggle with this, which is the all or nothing thing, right? It's like I go from eating pizza or junk food or Chinese food or whatever, and then I'll quote unquote, like course correct, but like go too far in the other direction. It's not really dieting though. Like truly for me, I can say confidently, it's never been about weight loss, but it has been about like, oh, I should, I should be eating healthier. Right. So, which is, I have the best intentions, but sometimes I need to find that balance between, it doesn't have to be all junk fried food or a green, green juice and a, a salad. And like, you know, you can find the balance between, you know, doing both. But yeah, I will say I definitely did crash diets off and on. Uh, the big one that I did was between high school and college. I had that fantasy, right? Of like, okay, I'm going to go into college as a new person. So I oh was my God, yes. working out like multiple hours a day um, and eating very little and doing like the powdered shakes, the powdered soups or whatever, like the microwavable weight loss foods. Um, and I did lose weight. Like that's, you know, of course the rub, right? It's like I did lose weight. Um, and so I would then went to college and would be in the gym all day and, you know, but not in a healthy way. (laughs) And so, and even then I was still the fat friend. So it was like, even when I was, you know, restricting and doing all of these things, I was still bigger than my friends. And so I still didn't feel good enough. And so that's when you start to realize like, okay, no matter what I do, I'm still not like, this is not the, the key to success or the key to happiness, right? Like I have to first focus on self-love and acceptance Mm -hmm. and then we can work towards behaviors that are more healthy. So um, that was the last time I did any of the crazy, crazy diets. And that was, like I said, when I was like 18 or something. And I have since done resets and cleanses and things like that. But I, like I said, I've never, I don't own a scale. I don't weigh myself. For me, it really is about trying to find a way back to eating in a way that makes my body feel good. Right. And don't don't you find that even at that time where you were working out a ton, like an unhealthy amount, so much of it is like people's reaction to you losing mm-hmm. weight and saying, yes. like, oh, my God, you look so good or you're yes. making me so happy because you like or if it's per, uh, your parents saying that or if it's your friends or whatever. So while it may be going at a very slow rate, do you think that people are getting better about not commenting on other people's bodies or do you think that there hasn't been that much progress? I mean, yes and no. I think it's kind of this double-edged sword. Even if you think you're giving him a compliment. Yeah. Know? And and we have that has been such a big part of my message. I have fluctuated weight so much, even as a public figure. And people ask me about it every single time I've lost weight, intentional, like non-intentionally, because um, I don't weight, lose weight intentionally, but it happens depending on my season of life. And people are always like, oh, what are you doing? Share your secrets. And I'm just like, are you guys serious? Like, I have been around for over right. a decade. I'm not... I'm not encouraging weight loss. I'm not talking about my weight loss journey. Like, that's not a thing I will ever do. Um, And actually, I lost a lot of weight over COVID because I got really sick and I was just struggling so much with food. And that was the first time I actually felt concerned for myself around food. And I'm... But it was because of my I had developed like really bad contamination OCD. So oh. I was experiencing like mental health issues on top of physical health issues because I got COVID. Um, right. And I lost weight because of that without trying to. And I got so many DMs and comments like, you're losing so much weight. Why aren't you talking about it? What are you doing? And I'm just like, this is crazy. Like, and it's so harmful and wrong to expect someone to talk about what they may be struggling with and to associate weight loss with someone's intentions. You don't know what someone's going through. You don't know why they're losing weight. Not to mention, I've, of course, gained it back now that I've helped heal my OCD And so all you're doing is feeding, like to your point earlier, all you're doing is feeding someone's insecurities because it makes someone feel bad if they get compliments about their appearance and that thing that you complimented about them changes, right? So it's like, how about we all just shut up, shut up, (laughs) stop commenting on each other's bodies, unless we, unless the person initiates that conversation, I don't think you should assume that's a conversation they want to have. Yes, because you don't know why they're losing or gaining weight. It could be for like you said, like a contamination OCD issue. Like there's so many different things like that it could be. But that's funny because as I was looking through your content, that was the first thing that came up. 
because I'm sure there's a wonderful side of being a part of the body positivity movement mm-hmm. and all there's an incredible side. But then the the dark side of it is people almost take it as a betrayal mm. if you lose weight or mm-hmm. if you make a choice to change your body or for your own health or for your own reason. Do you get a lot of that feedback? Like, I thought you represented me and now Yeah, you a little bit. I mean, like I said, I've never, I've always been solidly plus size. So even when I've lost weight, I've never not been plus size. Mm-hmm. Um, the smallest I've ever been, I think, is a size 12, 14. And that was many, many years ago. But as like a public figure, I think the smallest I've ever been is probably a size, I don't know, 16. Right. So I've never, you know, fully been called like a traitor or whatever but I think all of that rhetoric is really harmful anyway yeah there are so few plus size public figures there are so few plus size women in entertainment in and like you know I mean Lizzo is obviously relatively new to the mainstream world and she's really changed the game which I'm I love her so much I appreciate her so her so much but there are so few celebrities who are plus size so I understand why as a community we do get attached to people who are finally representing us and who reflect what we look like because there are so few of us we grew up we didn't have any so there is this like attachment right to people who finally are breaking barriers and finally out there and so I get why people feel disappointed when those people who finally are there for us and finally represent us change their bodies it can feel like a little bit of a betrayal but that being said you also have to do your own inner work on why that feels the way it does to you and not project that anger on someone else who's choosing whatever they may be choosing or not choosing like we just said for their bodies you don't know why they're losing weight i think for me the bigger issue is when someone who has built their career and or platform on body positivity specifically turns around loses weight and kind of like makes that their new brand. I think that is a little different and does mm-hmm. truly warrant some feedback <laughs> because right. you 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 can't build your entire personality and brand on uplifting women and talking about how you love your body and it's fine you you know all of these things about, you know, celebrating your size or whatever it might be and then be like, "Oh, actually I got gastric bypass and like buy this weight watchers thing I'm endorsing." Right? So it's a little hypocritical Uh, completely so the whole before and after pictures like by my course on how i did it after it's one thing to do that i think it's a little bit harmful to do that in general but if you do that after you built a brand on celebrating being plus size it's a little eh, it doesn't feel great right and i think it reveals some like self-loathing within you that you hate that former version of yourself so you try to like yeah distance yourself as much as possible exactly and i have friends i've done this and my friends i have friends who have lost weight who have gone from plus size to not plus size and continue to have a great career whether it's in fashion or whatever else but they didn't talk about the weight loss journey it's not a part of their brand they still celebrate who they were and who they are now and you know what i mean it's not about like oh i hated myself then and now i love myself look what i did and so i think for me that's really the difference at the end of the day one thing i've learned is like you can't control other people nor should you want to so just like i send people love and no matter what they choose for themselves if it's triggering to me you can choose to unfollow them the truth is like while we can hate on these people for feeling betrayed or whatever by someone else's weight loss we all do it in our own lives. Like I remember being in college and like one of my friends would lose weight and I'd be so jealous that she Mm. lost, like, you know, you're almost diet together, do all these things together, you know? And then it feels like if you're insecure about it already and and you see your friend doing it, you know, it's, it's a natural feeling. It's human psychology, right? It's like, I mean, I think we've all been there at some point in our lives and hopefully as we grow older, we learn to do better. But I think it is human psychology, right? If you are not in a good place, if you're feeling insecure Mm -hmm. and somebody else is confident, then that feels threatening to you. And so that is why whenever somebody does say something nasty or rude or whatever, I understand that it has nothing to do with me and it has everything to do with them and where their mindset is at. And so same goes for any of this conversation where it's like, if you do feel jealous or betrayed or whatever, um, I think that just goes to show that you have some work to do on yourself with the caveat of what we talked about earlier, where like if somebody totally kind of is a hypocrite and goes against what they always said they were about, you know. Right. And promote something like unhealthy yeah. to, to top it off. But when people do comment on your weight for better or for worse, like when you're in person with them, not mm-hmm. necessarily on the internet, because you can be a little more ruthless on the internet. <laughs> but when it's like a family member or something that says like, oh my God, you look so skinny, you lost so mm-hmm. much weight or whatever it is. Because I think we see so much on the internet, like, 
boundary porn is what I call it. Yeah. It's just yeah. like people oh say my God, like, that's such a good way to put it. <laughs> right. Like you should say this and you're like, I would never say that in real life. Like that would be impossible to say, or would it ruin this relationship? Mm. How do you confront situations like that in your actual life? That's a great question. I mean, I am lucky enough that it doesn't happen super often to me from like close family and friends because they know me very well and they know what I'm about. Um, I think my mom was kind of like kind of the last, what's the word? They always are. <laughs> the last they one to get are. on board and understand like I am not. And I think I just told her, I'm like, I'm not entertaining these conversations. Like I'm not responding when you talk about my weight, when you talk about my body, like that's not something I'm going to engage with. Um and it took a long time for me to get there, but once I did, it really helped our relationship, I think. Um, but I'm lucky that, like, none of my other family members really comment on my weight, and I think that's partially just because they know very to mess much with what, you. Yeah, what I do. Because, I mean, it, it's it's my it's my career, right? So they can't really say, oh, I didn't know. <laughs> right. No, 100%. But it does obviously happen in other scenarios I, from strangers or from kind of people I don't know as well. Um, and in those cases, I mean – Honestly, I just have to pick my battles. I have to decide how much I care. <laughs> like, do I care to engage with this person about this topic? Are they going to change? Is there am any? Am I PMSing? Am I yeah. extra oh, pissed that too. Like, what kind of mood <laughs> yeah. am I in? Am I in? Um, but how deep is our relationship? Do I care enough about this relationship to have this conversation, right? Because if it's, like, a random acquaintance who I see once a year, I probably am just going to, like, smile and walk away or not respond or whatever. Um, if it's somebody who I do care about – then I find a polite way to say to basically disagree, you know, um, if they say like, oh, my God, you look so skinny. I'm just like I, I'm trying to think of what I say. I have, that's been a while. I actually did have one person say that to me when I had lost weight over COVID in person. She was like, oh, my God, you lost so much weight. You look so skinny. And I just was, I was like, do I? And I was like, oh, well, I haven't been eating much because of my OCD. Sometimes I like like to confront them with it. Make them feel uncomfortable so that they can question their own, you know, thing. I'm just like, oh, yeah, I haven't been eating much because of my OCD. I think that's a great piece of advice. Like, just turn it on them. Make them feel super uncomfortable. Just make something up. Yeah. And when people – that's a, um advice that I see on the internet a lot. It's like when someone says something really out of pocket or just, you know, just really confrontational or just gross, um, kind of just asking a question, especially if it's a joke, just being like, oh, I don't get it. Can you explain that to me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and making them have to sit there and explain why the shitty thing they said they thought was funny. No, for sure. Because it puts them in the hot seat to be like, oh, maybe it's not as funny now that I have to break it down and, and I have to be mean and say that I was making fun of someone or whatever it is. So, yeah, I don't know. Sometimes I'm just polite and laugh it off, which I know isn't the best version of me. But if I don't care about the person, I'm just like, I don't feel like it, I don't feel like having this be a teaching moment. <laughs> You're a lost cause. Yeah, yeah, no, I totally, totally. I've seen a recent shift, and I think the internet has in general, in body positivity versus body neutrality, right? Mm -hmm. So I really found it, always have found it so hard to get on the board of like people that write affirmations on their mirror, like scream from the rooftops, like, I love my cellulite. Like, I got to be honest, it's hard for me to do. It is hard for me to do. It's never been easy. I've tried to fake it till I made it and I never made it. So I'm like, I am kind of grateful that now there's this new term of body neutrality. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to talk to you about the language that we have surrounding plus size, curvy, body positivity, body neutrality, all of those words, because I love that you call yourself the OG fat girl, right? Yeah. And yeah. you use it neutrally. Mm-hmm. So like, how do you feel about all those words, like straight size versus plus size? And do you think it's one size fits all? It's such an interesting topic because everyone feels – I've realized everyone has a different opinion on this and everyone's entitled to those opinions. For me, I really try – I believe in destigmatizing a lot of this stuff. So instead of – there's so many you know plus-size influencers out there who's like, I don't want to be called plus-size. I'm the same as everyone else. And while I agree that's true to some extent, it also denies, I think, the reality that we live in and the it's world that like we I live in. It's kind of like I don't see color. Yeah. To me, it does feel that way where it's like actually I think it's important to discuss – the fact that we are treated differently, that we do have to go to a different store, that we do have different experiences walking through the world in our bodies. Um, and so for me, it feels empowering to talk about our body size and talk about the ways that it affects us and create community around that as a marginalized group of people. The word fat, I understand, is highly sensitive for a lot of people. And it obviously has been used for a very long time as an insult. But I think that's even more reason why I like to reclaim it and say, like, that can't be used against me. Yes, I am fat, but that doesn't mean anything else. That doesn't mean that I'm all of these other things that you associate with that word. 
And so I am all about kind of reclaiming that. When it comes to the body neutrality thing, I also agree with you. I love that. And I don't think earlier on in my career, I don't, I didn't quite understand the way that body positivity actually, like you were just saying, impacted people and almost negatively because it made them feel like another way they were failing because they didn't mm-hmm. love their bodies. Yes. And so I totally get that. And I totally love the fact that body neutrality is more about just like you don't have to love everything about yourself. You don't every have to single love, day, you know, no, yeah. spe- it's not even that's not even possible to love it every day. Let it, So it's all about you know, becoming friends with yourself, accepting this is the body and the vessel that you've been given. Can you improve it? Um, by eating nutritious foods and moving your body, yes, and you should strive to do those things, but without an end goal in mind, ideally, in my opinion. Um, but so, yes, I love body neutrality and the fact that, like, it's not about making you feel like you have to, like you said, put affirmations on the mirror. And I actually feel that way, not even just about my body, but about myself, where it's like, I have ADHD. There's a lot of things I fall short on. Yes. <laughs> and and I have also done the fake it till you make it thing. Like, right. I can do all these things. Like. And it's like, no, maybe it's actually really empowering and beautiful to find content with who you actually are, what you actually can accomplish in a day. Maybe you're not Beyonce. Maybe you can't God. wake up at 4 a.m. Yes. and like hit the gym and yes. accomplish 40 things before 9 a.m. Like that's not who I am. And when I push myself to be that, I burn out. Um, and it it just the pendulum swings the other way, right? And so making friends with who I actually am, what I can do, mm-hmm. what I'm good at, and accepting myself for the things I'm not good at and acknowledging them and finding accommodations for those things. And so I totally hear you. And um, I agree that I think this move towards just being okay, trying to be okay with your body and finding the things you do love about it, whether it's just like, I love my legs for carrying me through the day, or I, I love that the fact that I'm able to hold my baby with my arms, like finding these little things that you do love about yourself, you know, without it having to be like, I love my cellulite or, or like, yeah. I love the way my like arms jiggle or whatever. If that's not true to you, then it doesn't help to continue to say it is true because that's just like, you feel like you're lying to yourself. Right. Like, God bless you if that's your, you know, if you, if you feel that way, but it's like days change, like our cycle changes, we, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's hard to hold on to. And then it's not, it's like kind of adding insult to injury. It's not bad enough that we feel so shitty about our bodies or our mental health or whatever limitations we think we have. Mm-hmm. Then we punish ourselves for not loving it, you know? So it's, it's this vicious cycle. Yeah. It can like almost shine a spotlight on like, on the fact that it's not true. It feels totally. so disconnected from your personal truth that it actually just makes you feel worse. Cause you're like, actually this isn't true. And I feel like by saying it, it just, I feel so out of alignment and I'm not acknowledging, not acknowledging my actual feelings, which are valid, you know? And so finding that balance and that doesn't mean we have to go into self-hate and self and negative self-talk though. Right. So it's right. like finding that balance. So I think you are the queen of making opportunity out of what others might think is a limitation, right? Mm-hmm. And I I talk to so many of my friends, no matter what size they are, but a lot of my curvier friends will say, you know, whether it's they didn't get a job, if they went on a date and the guy didn't call them back, their first inclination is to think it's because of my body. It's because of my weight, mm-hmm. no matter what. If someone doesn't love me back, it's because of my weight. If a friend doesn't text me back, it's because I – if someone doesn't ask me to be in their wedding, it's because she thinks I'm too fat to be yeah. walking down the aisle or whatever. Do you Did you ever have that kind of pattern of thinking? And what's your advice to people that feel like Honestly, that? Honestly, that's so funny because I still do struggle with that mm-hmm. because the, at the end of the day, we always say like – You can't love yourself into changing society. So, like, that's why we have to also address the systemic issues and the reality of the world we live in. And we can't just talk about, like, oh, just like like you said, look in the mirror and tell yourself you're beautiful. Like, yeah, that's great. And I do feel good about my body some days. And a lot of days I do. But at the end of the day, I walk out my door and I'm confronted with a fat phobic society that doesn't love my body. And so that is the reality we live in. And you know what? Sometimes the date might not text you back because of your body size. Like, that is a real thing. And I don't think it's helpful to gaslight yourself into being like, oh, no, I'm just, like, making this up. No, like, that's a real thing that happens. Some women don't put plus size friends in their wedding because they're fat. Like that's a real right. thing. Unfortunately, right. I think if that's the case with your friends, you should reassess your friendships. Yes. Um, but that's a that's a real thing that happens. But that's not to say you can't work on your body mm-hmm. image and you can't work on the way that you talk to yourself and the kindness you show yourself because mm-hmm. it goes back to understanding that like no matter if these things happen or not, that has nothing to do with you and your worth and your value as a human being. It has everything to do with how other people see you and the, the work they need to do on their own internalized fat phobia. And so I think it's 
like I said, you you can only work on yourself. You can't work on other people. You can't make them change, unfortunately. <laughs> no, I mean, that is actually the best. But I mean, when it comes to like fat phobia, I wish we could snap our fingers and make the world a more accepting place. But that's not true. And so I think it's this interesting balance of like loving yourself and making your making sure you feel self-worth and like working on your own self-esteem, but also acknowledging the reality of the world around you and not gaslighting yourself into thinking like – Oh, maybe it wasn't because I'm fat. Maybe it's because of this. And you know what? Maybe it is. Maybe you didn't get the job for something totally unrelated. That's very much possible. But let's not pretend it's also not possible that it was because of your size because that size discrimination is like a real thing, you know? Totally. And it's still not meant for you. You know what I mean? Like it's still not your path. It's not supposed to be for you. And there's going to be something better or different. You know what I mean? I kind of consider it almost like a screener because like it's real. Like I'm single and I go on dates. Well, I actually haven't recently. But generally speaking, in my life, when I go on dates, I'm sure I've been rejected because of my size. But I have to remember, even if that's why I was rejected, that was not my person. Mm -hmm. I do not want to be with someone who doesn't want me because of what size I am. Because even if, say I lost 100 pounds tomorrow and some guy fell in love with me and married me, if I gained that 100 pounds back after I had a kid or whatever whatever else, if he wouldn't love me because of that, like I do not want to be with that person. And so it's kind of like its own little screening device. (laughs) When people are assholes, I'm like, well, good to know that you're an asshole. Move on to the next one. (laughs) Thank God. Rejection is protection, you know? Yeah. So do you ever feel like some of my friends have told me that sometimes dating as a curvier girl, you can feel like fetishized almost. Mm, Have you run into that? Oh, absolutely. It's insane. Like they'll get text messages from guys like, I would love if you got a little thicker as if that's Mm. like a playful thing to say. That is, I will say, one of the harder parts about dating as a plus size woman is like Mm -hmm. finding someone who isn't doesn't find your body unattractive, right? Mm -hmm. You don't want to be with someone who finds you unattractive and wants you to change your body. But you also don't want to be with someone who fetishizes you and makes you feel like they're only with you for your body. Um, And so I will say it does make it difficult to date because the fetish thing is real. Um, But I've had multiple long-term relationships with amazing people that I have found who are who love me for me and they're still attracted to me. So I know they exist in the world. Yes. But I also know there's a lot of men who are just the worst. So horrific. And especially in LA. I don't know oh, how yeah. anyone meets anyone right now. I know. Agree. LA is already such a shitty place to date. But then of course here of all places like the capital of you know, superficiality. Superfici- yeah, yes. exactly. So, yeah. No, <laughs> say absolutely. No more. <laughs> yes, exactly. So what are the types of things like you've been on the internet for so long? I bet you're desensitized to a lot of what gets thrown at you. Mm-hmm. What is something that is able to lower your self-esteem even just temporarily? Do you know what? It's not my body. I will say that. And what I have learned, and this is kind of common sense, but like when someone insults you about something that you are not insecure about, mm-hmm. it does not affect you. That's an interesting theory. When someone insults you about something that you are insecure about, it can really mess you up. And so I am not as insecure about my weight. So that those comments truly don't affect me. Um, if someone comments on – and this hasn't actually happened, but, like, I'm insecure about my skin because I have – I've had acne forever. I have a lot of acne scarring and texture. And I've learned over the past few years to really apply body positivity to my skin because skin positivity Mm. has become a thing, which I love. Thank God. And so I'm actually following a lot of people who have acne and who have scarring. And that helps the same way that it did when I started following other plus size girls. And so it's beautiful. But like when someone would talk about that or stare at my skin too long or something, that's when I feel insecure. So it's interesting that I've learned like what what I still need to work on based on what affects me, right? Mm-hmm. So, but I don't get as many comments on that. When someone calls me fat or whatever, I honestly can't. I truly do not care. <laughs> I could not care less. Like genuinely could not care less. I think, do you know what happens is it kind of goes back into what I said earlier. It's a little off topic of your question. Yeah. But um, when I feel insecure about my body, honestly, is when I am in the room surrounded by thin people where I feel judged. So it's like I can feel great at home. I can feel great around my friends and family. If I'm at the beach or at a pool with my friends, I am fine. But if I'm going to like an influencer event and everyone's a size two or four and then I walk in in my bikini, I will be honest, I don't feel as confident as I would when I'm with my plus size friends or with the people that I love and who I know support me. So I'm not going to pretend that I'm never self-conscious. But it's when I feel the eyes of judgment in person, I do feel 
like that insecurity that I think I don't feel when I'm on my own or when I'm with my friends. A hundred percent. And that kind of makes me think of something else I wanted to ask you about back to when we were talking about fat phobia. You know, I think people think that only people that aren't plus size experience fat phobia. Mm -hmm. But even people that are plus size, often like when they follow other plus size influencers on Instagram, they're judgmental and they have some fat phobic (laughs) rhetoric in their mind. Absolutely. Do you find that you do sometimes in your lowest moments? Um, About other people's bodies, not so much. I just Mm -hmm. think I've done so much work around it that I don't find a ton of internalized fat phobia. Mm -hmm. What I will say, though, is like, again, going back to kind of the conversation earlier is like I... I have just done so much therapy. I've done so yes, much therapy God and bless, so much self-work. I'm like a self-work queen. I swear I'm like addicted to it. So I've done a lot of it. A it's lot a good of thing to be books, addicted a to. Therapy, a lot of 12-step groups. I've done the whole thing. Yeah. So I love that. what happens for me is I'm hyper self-aware. So like when I find any kind of mean or judgmental comments come up about other people, I check myself because I'm like, this has nothing to do with them. This is about you. What do you what's going on inside of you that you're feeling those things come up for you? Um, they rarely, if ever, come up about body, but they will come up about other things. And again, it's because of the things I'm insecure about. So because I'm insecure about it, I notice myself noticing it other people. Yes. That's like my nose. I notice everyone's nose because yeah. I have my nose done and yeah. it's just something I can't get rid of. Yes. So like that's the type of thing where I'm like, okay, Gabby, this is the time you got to work on how you're feeling about your face because you're noticing other people's faces, you know? Yes. And I know, like, I, I, I'm i not ever mean about it. I'm not like, ugh, this person's ugly, but it's just something that I notice. You clock it. Sometimes it feels like almost like a soothing thing, like when you're feeling insecure to, like, judge another person. Mm-hmm. You know, it almost makes it like, oh, you can't judge me because I'm judging you. And that's not yeah. obvious. That's obviously not true. Yeah. But so much about fat phobia is people looking at plus size people and saying, like, oh, you must be unhealthy. Mm -hmm. Right. I'm concerned for your health, like veiling it under that (laughs) stupidity. And hopefully now we all know that there isn't necessarily a direct correlation between weight and health markers. But since we're talking about health, can you tell me about when you got sick during the pandemic? Yeah. So, well, I have I've had Lyme disease for a long time, but I got COVID. I got COVID on top of that. And then I developed long haul symptoms of COVID, which are actually very similar to Lyme um, symptoms. Yeah. Uh, So just chronic fatigue. Um, I had chronic migraines. I've had some like kidney pain, some like urinary stuff without being TMI. So just like a lot of weird things. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of weird things that, oh, my vision changed. Like it got worse. I got like dry eye, which I've never had in my life. Just like chronic dry eye. Every day my eyes were burning. Right. You got that OG strain of COVID. Oh my God, seriously, I did. And so anyway, (laughs) I say all that to say like health is not anyone else's business, right? Your health is your own. And you know, you can get Lyme disease at any size, right? That's not, right. It has nothing to do with your size. And I think the idea that other strangers care about your health is so, and it's just like you said, it's like a thinly veiled way of just being fat phobic because they can't say like, I hate the way you look. So they're just like, but what about your health? It's like, exactly. babe, you didn't know I existed six minutes ago and now you're worried about my health. Like, let's just call it what it is. Right. But ultimately I would love everyone to like, strive to be their best selves and that includes mental health and like you telling me that I'm ugly or gross or whatever else on the internet is not helping my mental health and so ultimately I think every individual's health is about something they should discuss with themselves their doctors maybe their partners or their immediate family but like on the internet stop pretending that you care about it because you don't and even if you did you shouldn't and you're uneducated you (laughs) know what I mean you can be healthy or unhealthy at any size. Totally. I love the pushback that I'm seeing, especially on TikTok, of like all these skinny people like eating Cheetos and they're like, babe, I'm not healthy. Stop calling fat people unhealthy. A hundred and fifty percent. I woke up, I smoked a cigarette, I've eaten right. Taco Bell, and now I'm eating Cheetos. Right. Yeah. Like let's yes. not pretend this is about health because no one says shit to me about my health. You know? No one says it to like the girl struggling with anorexia. You yeah. know what I mean? Or and actually, I mean, e- and let's it. say even if let's say and, and this exists, like yes, there are fat people who are unhealthy who do eat junk food all day. Why is it any of your business? You, yeah. Wh- one, why is it your business? And two, why do you think commenting shitty things to them is going to help them? Like right. shaming somebody into changing their behaviors has never worked. It makes it worse. If shame worked, we would all be a size two. <laughs> like, Ain't that Because we've truth. all grown up with that shit our entire lives. So We were like a generation raised on shame. Yeah, exactly. If, if shame worked, we would all be different people. <laughs> 150%. I'm like, I want it. That should just be the promo for this entire episode because it's so true. Did you get a lot of those comments when you were sick? Um, No, I mean, 
when I was sick, I didn't share a lot of it online. Mm -hmm. I tend to, because I deal with chronic illness, and I've actually, I'm considering starting a podcast about this because it's it's something I wanted to talk about for a long time. And I kind of share snips about, like, bits and pieces, mostly because sometimes it's so bad that I can't show up. You know, I can't show up on Instagram or whatever it is. And so I'll, like, fill in my followers and be like, sorry, I haven't been around. I've been really not feeling well, X, Y, and Z. Does it activate your, like, depression and anxiety as well? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I also have neurological Lyme, so it quite literally, like, affects my brain. Like, very much has an impact on my brain, on memory, on cognition, on all of these things. Um, And so, yeah, I've I've thought about starting – a brand slash podcast around it because I think it almost deserves its own thing. Totally. And it's so different from what I do now, you know? Yeah. Um, but that to say, like, I, I'm lucky that I haven't gotten any negative comments about my health around that stuff. I, if anything, I had a bunch of people over COVID DMing me because like, oh my God, I didn't, because I got COVID March 2020. So like when it first hit, Oh, um, my God. Trendsetter. I, <laughs> right? <laughs> yes. And I was sharing my journey to some extent with people and talking about long COVID really early because I was, like, not recovering in, like, July, August. And then other people would be like, oh, I didn't know. Like, I got COVID. I didn't realize it could last as long as that was going on because they didn't understand what was happening. And a lot of, like, the mm-hmm. CDC and whatever hadn't come out yet talking about long long hauler issues. So, if anything, I felt supported and I felt community around the fact that we were all trying to figure it out together, like what's happening to our bodies. Um, but yeah, I feel lucky that I haven't had too many negative comments about health. I think that'd be very weird if yes. people were just like, like oh, obsessed. Gee, you have right. Lyme disease. Right. <laughs> like, what? But with chronic <laughs> illness, there often is like a lack of patience or even like a lack of, of people even like believing that it's real oh, because yeah. they can't see it. That is real. And I've, I've run into that my entire life. Even with life. your family with or friends. Yeah. yeah. Everyone, even doctors will be like, oh, Lyme disease isn't real. Like you're just anxious. You're just stressed out. It took right. me like five or six years to get diagnosed. And even same with COVID. I would go in after I got COVID and be like, I know this is related to COVID. Like I had no kidney pain before COVID. I got kidney pain during COVID and it hasn't gone away. And they're like, your kidneys are fine. You know what I mean? It's very like, much I know like- my body. Right. <laughs> but you feel like gaslit, like oh, medically absolutely. gaslit. Absolutely. So I, I definitely deal with that. And that's, again, why I think it's important to talk about. Because And I found forums and communities on TikTok and on Facebook and stuff where so many people are talking about this. We all have run into it where doctors don't believe us. Right. Um, but that's exactly why I think it's worth it to talk through because I think a lot of times you have to kind of find your peer group and mm-hmm. people who are also experiencing it because the people we look to to help us often aren't, you know, aren't there. Right. Do your friends or family ever run out of patience about your Lyme or like are just insensitive about it? Uh, not so much. Professionally? I th- uh, that's a good question. I think I don't think my family has an issue with it. I'm very lucky and privileged that like I can still usually function. <laughs> um, I think the person in the past who has seen it the most has been my or people. I should say whatever have been my romantic partners because yeah. they get like an up close. They see me every day, all day, so they see the ins and outs of how much it does affect me. I think I'm able to mask with the public. I'm able to mask in work. I'm able to mask even with my family to some extent because I'm not seeing them all the time. Um, so it's like I can save up the energy to do a podcast like this where I'm not showing my fatigue. I'm not showing my X, Y, and Z. Whereas with my partners, they would have to see it for real because they have to see behind the mask, the screen. And so I think I, I'm lucky. I don't think they got – well, I had one ex who got impatient with it. He was just like, what is going on? Like, why are you so tired all the time? Like, didn't quite get it. Um, and I think be- especially because I can kind of keep it together sometimes, they don't get why – Sometimes right. I can and sometimes I can't. Um, my most recent ex was a little bit more patient about it and he was supportive. And so, you know, it can, I think it just depends on the person and how much they're willing to try to understand what's actually happening. Right. Because it can be like confusing, you know, even as far like my depression, like some days like I'm up and at him and my Lexapro is working quite yeah. nicely. And then other times I am like every opportunity I can be in bed, I will be in bed and there will not be any laundry done and I will not shower. And it can be a really, uh, in my mind, I have like all these negative connotations about it. You know, I have all these self-esteem issues about it because I'm like, I feel like it makes me look lazy. I feel like it makes me look uninspired or like, you know, anything. And I just feel like you have to be with someone that takes that as part of you, that however you work is the way that you work. But I'm curious, what is something that, you've taken from your past relationships that you want differently in this in a new relationship? Oh, oh my God. That's such a good question. Uh, Just for any guys listening, maybe there's some, <laughs> you know. 
I don't. Okay. Oh, God. I'm like, I could answer that a million different ways. Let's, <laughs> let's start there. I think I have learned I really need somebody who is secure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> somebody who's secure, especially as a woman who is successful and who has a lot going for myself um, in my career and otherwise. I feel pretty independent and secure, and I need a partner who also feels that way and who celebrates that and supports that and wants me to be successful and is excited for things that are going on in my life as opposed to feeling insecure or triggered or left out or any of those things. Like, um, yeah, that's something that is so important to me. And I, I will just say like, it's just, it's interesting that I think so often the things that attract us to people become later the things that we find unattractive about Mm -hmm. them. And so I've been in situations where men have been really attracted to my confidence and my independence and my success, but then, you know. Punish you for it later. Yes. Halfway through the relationship, stuff starts turning. And when they realize they haven't become the center of my life, suddenly that's an issue. Right. Um, And so, yeah, (laughs) I really would love to find a partner who is excited to celebrate me. Yes. And for a long period of time, not just yes, at the beginning. forever and yes, not just forever. in the beginning when they, like, find it attractive because it's, like, you know, this – they put you on a pedestal in the beginning, right? Totally. So. And they act like, you know, how they think they should act. And someone feeling less secure about whether it's financial or success or even just confidence, like, if they feel inferior to their partner, like, it mm-hmm. will rot from the inside out. Oh, absolutely. And I also think there's so much – there's stuff in there about gender stereotypes too, mm-hmm. right? So it's like majorly. Isn't it crazy? We're still fucking climbing this hill. <laughs> yeah. I I'm know. I'm like, God, guys, get it together. Like, it's fine. Can we all just be yeah. on the same playing field? Yeah, totally. Do you think it's mutually exclusive with editing your photos or using Facetune? Do you think that you you can't consider yourself to have body neutrality if you use Facetune or any of that stuff? That's actually a really good question. And I will be the first to admit I have used Facetune before. Oh, not, same. I will be the second um, to admit. Specifically, like I said earlier, I had a lot of skin uh, insecurities. So I would like blur my skin. I don't do that as much anymore. If anything, it's more of like I'll use filters to like fix color and mm-hmm. color correct stuff. But I try. I really try not to use it on my skin just because I'm working on being more accepting of that. Um, but I don't know. I just feel like we're all human. I think I also used to have hyper judgment around stuff like that. I'm like, oh, this person photoshops and that person's not body positive because they did this and they're on a diet and they can't. And now I have just, as I get older, I just care less and less. And it's not because I care less about the movement or care less about making things better, but I just, I just have to find grace for other people because that means you have more grace for yourself. The more you're judging other people and what they're doing wrong, that judgment turns inward. And so- I just feel like if you are able to give other people grace and understand that we're all humans, we're all just trying to get through shit. (laughs) We (laughs) all have our own insecurities. (laughs) Whether it's your body or something else, we all have things about ourselves that we don't like. Yeah. And if you can forgive other people and understand that they might make poor choices sometimes, that doesn't mean they're bad people. And I really try to come back to like, thank you, therapy, for this. Like, you can make a bad choice. You can regret that choice. And your action can be bad, but that doesn't mean you're bad. Like, yes. And so I try to remember that about myself and therefore extend it to other people too. Like, yes. We live in such a crazy extreme world where like everyone is either good or bad and like right. that's not real. Like we're all just fucking human who are making mis- – we're all making mistakes, you know, totally. as we go and trying to fix them. And we're all just trying to cope the best we can. So someday we might not be like confident enough to post something without a filter or without filtering it. And then other days we might feel like doing that. Yeah. And I think it's – I totally understand the – it's worth having a conversation, especially when people have huge platforms. If they're truly Photoshopping things like an extreme way and really making things look different. And obviously we can think of a million celebrities who do Mm. this, right, who really, (laughs) you know, every time they post, they look like completely different people or like – and I – And that is damaging, especially to young girls who are looking at that stuff. And so it's definitely worth having a conversation about. But then I also have compassion for the people who are doing that because how insecure must you be to do that? And like you – they're living – in a world that is so hyper judgmental and critical and picking them apart constantly, this is the one little thing they have control over is their Instagram picture. You know, they have no control over the tabloids. They have no control over the paparazzi. They have no control over everybody talking shit about them all the time. It's like 
what would that do to your psyche? I can only imagine the reason this is like, I can control this one picture. (laughs) Yeah. And so I have compassion for them. And even though I still think it's worth talking about how it's harmful, I don't think that means they're bad people. It's leading with empathy rather than like judgment. We don't know what it's like to be in those people's brains every day. Yeah. You know? I mean, I cannot imagine being followed with a camera every day of my life and being Nor seen at every I. angle and every pore and every this and that. Like, No, I'd end up looking insane. Yeah, I would like do so I'm- much plastic <laughs> surgery. It'd, be, it'd make your head spin. You know? Right. And so that's why it's so easy to comment and judge these people who get that plastic surgery mm-hmm. and X, Y, and Z. But it's like... Okay, I don't know what I would do if I were them. I would like to believe I would be strong and have the same amount of confidence and this and that. But it's like, I don't know what it's like to live that life. And therefore, I'm not judging anyone for making the decisions they make about their bodies. But that's not to say there isn't a cultural impact that we need to discuss. Beyond. Because sometimes I'll say to my fiance, I'll be like, "Um, he'll, you know, he'll show me like a girl's picture of like someone looking really good. I'm like, she edited that picture. (laughs) And I'm like, Jade, you need to relax. Like, why do you care so much that he knows? But I just feel like sometimes men, women, like there is a blurred line there. We do kind of believe that in what we see, you know, we don't think of like. Especially when it's so common. Like mm -hmm. if everyone's doing it, you do start to lose a sense of reality. I remember, I mean, when everyone was doing Instagram filters on stories and Snapchat filters, they did fuck with me. Like I, and I, totally. because I almost forgot what I looked like in person because I was using filters and it started with just a thing to look fun. Like I wasn't even mm-hmm. trying to do it with the intention of looking better. It was just like, oh, I love that. You can like look cute with this one and the flower crown and whatever else. It started that way. Yeah. But then, and it was, everyone was doing it. It was very much like a fun sign of the times thing. But after a while, when you're seeing that story after story after story on other people and then yourself, I, I realized I started to be a little bit dysphoric and I was like, I look in the mirror and be like, oh, I forgot my nose looked like that or I forgot my lips looked like that right? because I'm not seeing myself in that way. And so I'm so happy that trend has passed and like yeah. none of us are doing it anymore. No, thank God. No, <laughs> truly, thank God. Then there's like Texas who I guess like in some parts they banned filter use mm-hmm. and I'm like up in arms about it because I'm like, well, I wish if it should be our choice, but then it's, yeah. it, it really is a double-edged sword. It's like on one hand, it's if that's what you want to use to get by, God bless you. But then it, we have to understand that there are cultural implications. Yeah. Especially for – I just feel bad. Like, it, it affects us. So it's like imagine these teenagers, like, not to be whatever. But I just really can't imagine growing up with this level of scrutiny and, like, media. And it was bad enough seeing stuff in magazines and on TV. But now it's, like, constantly filling their little brains as they're – forming their identities. And so I cannot imagine how much it's affecting them. And like we compared ourselves to Britney from Homeroom. You know what I mean? Like one yeah, girl in exactly. our class. They're exactly. comparing themselves to like girls from Milwaukee or whatever. And LA. It's like you're – yeah, exactly. It's like they're like in some small town in Idaho and like following all these girls in Los Angeles. And it's just – and also have you noticed how – Kids are like skipping over the awkward phase. It's just they're just going straight. Don't even get me started when they're like twelve, and I'm like, what the? It's just wild. I had like a ten year awkward phase, like (laughs) ten solid years of like. To this day, I'm 28, and I'm like, I don't want to post this picture of me at 13. I'm still embarrassed. Yeah, you know. But it builds character. You know what? I swear to God, I genuinely feel grateful. I'm so grateful that we went through that, and I'm so grateful that I did not have a smartphone when I was 12. I I'm mean. so glad I didn't peak in high school. I'm so glad, you know, all those things. It gives you a sense of humor. You make the right <laughs> friends. It's yeah. a good thing. Going through an ugly phase is not a bad thing. Agree. You know? Hard agree. Right? So, okay, last thing. Can you? What can you tell us about your collab with Fashion to Figure? Oh, my God. It's been this such a so joy. so exciting. Yeah. So I, I launched my first clothing collab with them last fall, 2021. And then I had a spring collab launch. Uh, when was this? April? And I may have something coming soon. I can't talk too much about it. But it's just been so much fun to really have the opportunity to make women's wear because I've always loved – I've loved clothing and I've always wanted to create and design clothing. But I was so known for swimwear, which I love. But I was like, I want to wear clothes. Like, Yeah. So anyway, just to have – There are other seasons. Yeah, exactly. So just to have a team of people who really believes in me and my creative has been amazing. They have such – Like, I I wanted to work with them. One, I've known about them forever. Actually, they were the first brand to ever pay me for a job, which was, you know, 10 or more years ago, I styled one of their lookbooks. So that was my first paid fashion job ever. How cool for full circle. I know. So it's been a full circle moment, but they truly believe in my creative vision. My line broke all of their sales records when we launched, both of them, actually, my fall and my spring. And so it's a good reminder to myself that, like, I'm talented in this and 
as we get older and I'm still trying to figure out what's next for me, it's like, okay, I still really love this thing. I'm still passionate about it. And that passion still comes through in my product and people are still responding to it. Right. The through line is you. Yeah, that that's the, de- definitely feels good that I was able to do it in 2013 and then again in 2022. You know, like it's Hell very yeah. cool to still have that. But yeah, it's been a joy because I love creating. It's the, my favorite part of my job by far, and just seeing people's responses, seeing people wearing it, and sh- like it's tagging amazing. me. I would say to I would say to all the listeners, like go out and buy it. But it is sold out everywhere, right? It's like constantly <laughs> it is. I think sold there are a couple, out. I think there are probably a couple pieces left here and there. We'll wait for the next launch. But yes, I would say get excited for the next one. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, I'm so excited. Well, thank you so much. You're an angel. This was so fun. Thank you. This was awesome. Jesus. I mean, I feel like I just got off the phone with my therapist. Like that was a real cathartic, mutually healing experience. And I'm so grateful to Gabby for coming on and just for sharing her genius with us. She's remarkable, as you guys probably now know or knew already. And I hope you loved this episode as much as I did. Thank you again for continuing to stop by if this is your first time. Thank you for listening. I hope you liked what you heard here. And I'll see you back here same time, same place next week. Love you guys. Bye.